What's going on, everybody? It is Infinity Sports. It's Wayne G and Sully. What's going on? Uh, you know, living that dream, baby, all day, every day. That's what we do. Well, normally we do the introductions after the uh, intro, so let's get to the intro. We kind of jumped the gun on that. Uh, you know, we're living, the, we're living it here. Jordan. going on everybody infinity sports we are coming at you kind of a laid-back day uh not a ton of stuff to really go regimented through i do want to comment first things first i guess on our intro video i know we've talked ad nauseum about kobe bryant and what he meant to us and obviously the 81 point game is uh, significant but i have to say the the malcolm butler interception is my favorite football memory of all time the only reason why i hate it is because i don't know it feels tainted to me mm. like so, like, I believe the conspiracy behind it. Whereas, is is Pete Carroll didn't give Marshawn Lynch the ball because then Marshawn Lynch would have scored and, and won MVP, and so he wanted to throw the ball so Russell Wilson would M- win MVP, and he could have his quarterback go off in the sunset because Marshawn Lynch was not like a a. a well-liked person within the club, within the league, within anything. So then they didn't give him – there's no explanation that makes sense to throw the ball there. For one, because you've got two downs. It was a third down play. Mm -hmm. So you've got two downs. If you don't get it there and you run it and you don't get it, then throw the ball. Throwing the ball there results in nothing but a bad play, which is what resulted. And and so I just (sighs) – not only that, they've got the best short yardage back in the league. That's what they were like bred and built upon. That's what got them there. Just none of it made sense to me. So it just feels kind of tainted. Um, at the same time, there's reports that Malcolm Butler had film studied that and and knew that play and knew that cue and and jumped that route because of a lot of time in the, in the film room and and not just a lucky play. So. Right. You know, so I, I see it from both sides, but man, explain to me why they didn't run the ball there. In, in, a, in, in, a, in an argument that makes sense, explain to me why they didn't run the ball there. I can't explain exactly why they chose the exact play that they did, but I can tell you that they ran that exact same passing play at least three times during the same season within the five yard line because it's just a play that they like to run. That's how Malcolm Butler knew about the well, Bill Belichick knew that that was a play that they were going to run potentially in the red zone. And so the story I had heard is that during practice, Malcolm Butler got picked by the receiver and they scored a touchdown and Belichick bringing them a new one said, don't, if you are ever in that situation, do not get picked on that play. And uh, fortunately, I think um, I think it was it Brandon Browner who had played for the the Seahawks at one point. Browner held up the pick enough time for Butler to jump 
and get the uh, the interception. But yeah, he had been burned on that play in practice, and they had practiced against that play specifically because the Seahawks do like to run that particular play on the goal line. Yeah, it's it's you know again it's it's what do you believe because this is reports after the game obviously that they had practiced against this play and things like that and and they knew that that Seattle liked to run this play but I mean it's hard to argue with the results he clearly jumped the route he knew what was playing he knew what was coming you know what I mean so I I mean great play by Malcolm Butler I, I understand I would think you know I don't know it's hard to think a kick is like your favorite play but man one of the one of the Vinatieri kicks had to have felt good um yeah I guess that's kind of, I guess that would be the best play for a Patriots fan cuz it's not like you had like a ton of memorable plays the Julian Edelman catch obviously stands out um but you know it's tough to forget the David Tyree catch too so well, even in the, the Falcons Super Bowl, um, not so much the Edelman catch, but the play that stands out to me is the uh, the sack, the strip sack. Yeah. That's that's one that really kind of – because they needed that. If they didn't get that, they were done. I mean, a lot stands out in that game. I mean, just how terribly – like, legit, I have no coaching experience. I don't think for a second I'd be a good NFL head coach. For a second. I don't think I would. I'd have won that football game. My favorite, it was uh, the NFL films afterwards – it was a Muhammad Sanu and whoever it was on the sideline, and they're up twenty-eight to three. They're in the third quarter, and one of them is saying, "Oh, they've never seen nothing like this before." And I think it was Sanu said, uh, "This is Tom Brady, so let's just kind of <laughs> yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's calm down." And then, you know, coincidence, Muhammad Sanu ends up playing for the Patriots. So, uh, so a little off topic. The first topic I really <laughs> wanted, and, and this is going to be a topic kind of leading into more kind of BS uh, shooting the the crap kind of stuff, but. This is a topic that our former uh, co-host would hate, which is why I love bringing it up, is The Office, right? You and I are huge fans of The Office. It's the best show ever made. Fantastic show. My daughter is now getting into watching it, so I'm re-watching it from the season. What what are you watching it on? Uh, I watch it on uh, Peacock, uh, right? No, no. I have the Amazon uh, Firebox, and I download an app that has it on there. Okay, I was going to say, because it's like not on anything anymore. It's so depressing. Yeah, so we watched that, and we're going one episode at a time. We're into season three now. But I wanted to bring up something that I really, really am glad that they have it in the show is that people forget, you know, Michael's kind of a moron, right? He's got a <laughs> good heart, right? But he's kind of a dummy. But the thing that I love that they point out, and at least once a season this happens, Michael might be the greatest salesman in the history of sales. Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal. You know, and I know that he was Dunder Mifflin's top guy two years in a row. He brings it up. But, I mean, at least once a ser- uh, season, he's going to sell somebody, and you're like, how the crap did he just do that? <laughs> and the newest one was we're watching season three, and they have the big um, convention where they're at, like, the stationary convention, and he meets with uh, Hammermill, and he goes down, talks to Jan, and he's in a sour mood because nobody's showing up to his party. <laughs> and, uh, he, says, uh, he says, hey, so I just met with the rep from Hammermill. And they're like, uh, Hammer Mill is exclusive to Staples. We can't sell that. He goes, yeah, well, we can now. So they're going to call you tomorrow with the details. <laughs> and you're like, damn, Michael. <laughs> um, I, I, Michael is the classic guy that he has the great ability to recognize what you want. Um, uh, you may not ever portray that or say that or, or, or do anything like that. But, I mean, granted, it's a TV character, but, but his great ability is to recognize what you want and what you need and become that person and become that thing uh, and sell you on that, which obviously is, I think, the, the staple for every great salesman. Now, it's, it's borderline sociopath, but, I mean, at the same time, I think every great salesman is a borderline sociopath because unless you're selling fucking water, like, 
your product sucks most likely. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, my thing with Michael, and so the reason I like it is because I think that there's an inclination if you're watching the show to think to yourself, why did they make this guy the manager of the branch? Because he was so extraordinary at sales, they made him the manager of the branch. My question, because I work in sales, right, is your top sales guys, guys who sell like Michael, they don't want to become management because they have to take a pay cut. You know, so my question is, why did Michael take the the management position instead of just continuing in sales? I mean, it's his his need to be loved by everyone. Well, maybe. I, I mean, if you're the boss and, and things like that, like at that point, like also he hates being told what to do. So, I mean, granted, you would think as a boss, you're not loved by everyone, but he makes it so he is loved by everyone and being the boss makes him do that. So, like, if there was somebody telling him what he could do and restricting him and things like that, he wouldn't be Michael. So, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's one of the things. So, the having him in there as a great salesman at least once uh, per season, and my favorite is still when he negotiates the buyout with David when he's got. Michael's oh, that's paper. the best. That's oh, the absolute so good. best. That's the absolute best. With uh, with him, Pam, and Ryan, that's the yeah. absolute best. <laughs> when he when they leave and he goes, Michael, what the hell? You just cost me sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> and Pam goes, Why did you think you would get it all? <laughs> I did. I I love that show so much. God. Well, that was because I think they'd offered him twelve thousand dollars and like, all right, we're gonna give you twelve grand. And like, yeah, pff, no, no way. Yeah. And like, Michael, listen, I'm in the paper industry. I know what paper costs. I know <laughs> that you're losing money. All right, because what's to stop me from just waiting out you going under? That's the thing when Michael said something to the effect. He's like, well, you have a, a share meeting coming up, and you're going to have to explain to all these shareholders why your most profitable branch is bleeding money right now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have to wait out corporate. I just have to wait out a new CFO. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he's like, all right, how about 60000 <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> he goes, that's what you don't understand, David. I'll just go start another paper company and another and another. And then he starts listing off names. Uh, it was such a great show. God, it's such a good show. And I think my favorite part of that too uh, is also seeing um, Idris Elba get it stuck to him because he was so crappy to Jim. He was, and Jim's obviously the greatest character ever. And he just—I mean, Idris Elba was just—he's got one of the funniest lines ever, though, when he's like, "I I know the effect I have on women." Like that's <laughs> like one of the best lines ever in that whole show. I think I've hit this with you. Trivia question. Yeah. Name. The highest earning person to ever appear on that show. The highest earning ever to appear on the, the show. The highest earning actor or actress to appear on that show. Like their net worth. Yeah. Who? Uh, Ricky Gervais. No. Uh, Will Ferrell. No. Nope. Jim Carrey. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Finger Lakes. Yep. Oh, I, I, how about Conan O'Brien? No, it's still Jim Carrey. Over Conan O'Brien? I don't know. Yeah. You know what's funny like, Jim Carrey's made, bro? Jim yeah, Carrey's Conan O'Brien gets like $40 million dollars a year. Bro, they canceled his fucking show. What are you talking about? He's on TBS or whatever. He's getting They just canceled it for one. So right, well, My homework after the show. I'm going to look up who's got a bigger look network. Look it up Jim, right now. I'm yeah, looking Jim it up Carrey. right now. All right, who are you going to look I'll look up the other one. I'll look up uh, – you look up Jim Carrey. I'm going to look, look up Jim Carrey's net worth. Right, I'm looking up um, – this, this this one won me a trivia question in, in bar. Conan O'Brien net worth. All right. What's your number? Uh, hundred and fifty million. Uh, Jim Carrey, one hundred and eighty. Suck it. Uh, all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. So aside from the office, <laughs> good, 
<laughs> and Will things- Ferrell's 160 million. Uh, going from things that people uh, love, like The Office, to things that people hate. And this one, Russell Westbrook passes Oscar Robertson with his 181st career triple-double, which, by the way, came in the fashion of 28 points, 13 rebounds, 21 assists, and only three turnovers. Um, and the thing that blows my mind is the hate. The hate for Russell Westbrook. People are like, he's a stat patter. He's a ball hog, which obviously, if you're leading the league in assists, you're not a ball hog. Um I don't get it. Like, why don't people like Russell Westbrook? I, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit, and and truthfully, I don't understand it. If if this was Steph Curry, if this was LeBron James, if this was Giannis, like you said, they'd be building. Literally, they'd be building monuments if if they put up the seasons that Russell Westbrook has put up. Um, I get he doesn't win, like team wise, but but truthfully, I don't think that's his fault. Like. Like he had James Harden when James Harden wasn't James Harden. Like he was in the well, sixth man of the year, right? Yeah, but yeah, he was sixth man of the year, but he wasn't MVP James Harden yet. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So he wasn't that guy. He had Kevin Durant before he was the scoring champion, Kevin Durant. So it's like you know people bring up that he's had great teammates, but it's like well yeah, but like he didn't get them at their prime. You know he had Chris Paul, but Chris Paul was a hundred. You know, and, and granted, Chris Paul's great right now. I'm not dogging any of these guys, but it's like, are any of these guys really like pushing the needle in the, at that time? And I don't think they were. And I don't know. I, I, I struggle to figure out why people hate this guy. I don't understand it. I get maybe because he's he plays with like a an anger that I, I mean, obviously, I don't think a lot of people like. I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But I mean, God, like. Again, if, if anybody else in the league was putting up these stats, if Dame was putting up these stats, if, if Trey Young was putting up these stats, it, people would be literally building monuments for this guy. Like, he's had four seasons now where he's averaged a triple-double. Like, that's unheard of. Like, that's insane to me. Yeah, I, I saw a statistic. I think it was last week. They said that if he went the rest of the season averaging 0.0 rebounds and 0 assists, he'd still average a triple-double for the season. He'd still average a triple-double for the season. <laughs> it's in, like... And and you know people bring up that he's a ball hog. He's I'm pretty sure he's fifth or barely breaking the top five in uh, uh, handles. You know in, in ball percentage handle. Um, I know he's up there in usage, but still, I mean, like that's his that's his role in the offense. I don't understand how you can have 20 assists and be called um, selfish or a ball hog. Now, granted, what I do hate is. The, the clip where he breaks the record, the rebound, he breaks the record, he dribbles down court and takes a three-point shot within four seconds of the shot clock that clanks and misses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of shit that it's like, bro, like, you just recognize who you are, it, essentially. Like, I hate how many threes he takes and things like that. I think that would cut down on his, like, efficiency knock if he stopped taking as many of those. But, I mean, God, the guy's just incredible. He plays out of his mind, and I know that we had had discussions with people, and I've had these discussions with people when they talk about him hogging the ball or pounding the ball into the floor. And I brought up the statistics that in terms of time of possession, according to NBA.com as my source, time of possession per player, he's not number one. Luka has more time of possession. Dame has more time of possession. Chris Paul has more time of possession, and they all dribble more than him because they have average dribbles per possession, and they all dribble more than he does. So it's like they're wasting more clock than Russell Westbrook is. So I think that that's just one of those things that haters say, like, oh, he he holds the ball too long. 
Well, no, he's like 20th in, in, you know, time of possession. You know, there's a bunch of guys who are ahead of him. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. And, and the only thing I could think of, like you were saying with like the rebound thing, uh, I've heard that like, you know, he'll like jump in front of guys to get rebounds or, you know, okay, fine. If you want to really throw that at him, but maybe if everybody played at the same speed that he's playing at, his teams would win more. That I agree with is I'm never going to knock a guy for hustle. So like, I'm never going to knock a guy because he jumps in front of, well, go get that and rebound then like right. <laughs> he worked harder for than you to get it like you go get it it's not like he's like screaming at the guy no 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 let me get it or, or knocking him out of the way he's aggressively going to get the rebound i'm never going to tell a guy hey man calm down don't play 120 percent like that just doesn't make sense so I, I i don't know i don't understand the hate i don't get it i mean i i get where it comes from but i don't understand it like, like when people say he can't win and things like that, like I get that. Like he's he's never won anything really, you know. Like as a team collectively, he's never made his team better and things like that, which I get. But again, I don't think that's his fault. Like I don't. Like yes, he's inefficient. I, I mean, that's obviously his his big big knock. He's one of the most inefficient players in basketball in the last five years. Like if not the most inefficient player in basketball, which you know is part of the quick threes that he misses all the time. But I'll tell you what, I'll sacrifice a little quick three every now and then for 20 rebounds and 20 assists a game. You know what I mean? So, like, well, I mean, he's six foot three and he averages more rebounds per game than Giannis does. Yes. And it's I because mean, he attacks the glass. Like, he yeah. aggressively attacks the glass. Like, I mean, you talk about best rebounding guards of all time, it's Russell Westbrook and Dwayne Wade, probably. You know what I mean? Like, well, I drew the parallel to a fictional character, Rod Tidwell from Jerry Maguire, right? So Rod Tidwell, they said, you know, uh, oh, you've broken every receiving record, 1,700 yards, all this stuff. But everyone hated him. They didn't even want to resign him to the team, you know, because he had an attitude. He's like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put up my numbers. I want to get paid for putting up my numbers. You know, and they didn't like that because the way that he put it, he goes, you're asking me to dance. They, Russell Westbrook doesn't dance for the media. He doesn't dance for the fans. He just goes out and plays. If Russell Westbrook played in 92 to 2005, he'd, he'd- – be the the shining star of basketball you know what i mean he'd be everything that the nba wanted and things like that because at that time that's what the nba was you know for for all of our our former co-host nick's you know crazy nba conspiracies the the one about people like de-arming each other i actually like kind of agree like everybody's friends now and and back in the day like that wasn't the case like yeah you'd hang out and talk and text outside of the game but game time i don't want you to dap me like i'm not about that life and and, i I mean i don't watch a ton of russell westbrook games i'm not gonna lie but i don't i don't think i'd see him dapping people up before the game he doesn't seem like that guy no i think jerry west said you know in the game of basketball you've got friends and you've got enemies and there's nothing in between and you shouldn't be friends with the people you're playing against exactly you know, I'm fine with being being okay with you off the court, but the second we, we step on the same court to play against each other, I, we're not cool at that point. I'll fucking murder your wife. So, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> well, another guy who gets a lot of hate, and we'll talk about this, is, and I don't understand it either, and we'll talk about that. Tim Tebow tries out for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. Uh, apparently he does so well that the assistant coaches are smitten with him. They think he's fantastic, which how could you not? The guy's work ethic is second to nobody in the history of sports. I mean, he's a, he's a nut job, you know, and he goes out there, he works hard. He's going to give you that. And Urban Meyer signs him to a one-year deal. Probably. I mean, 
probably not going to make the 53-man roster. If I'm no. being honest. But he's on the 80-man roster. They're going to give him a shot. They're going to take a look at him. And people are just losing their minds about this. And this isn't the first time. People were rooting against him back when he was the quarterback of the Broncos. I just don't. How could you not? This isn't this the guy that you want to root for? Isn't this the face of sports that you want? Why are we rooting against this guy? I just feel like um, everybody feels like he is the prototype, prototypical privileged white male. Um, and and I think that's where like the hate stems from. Um, first and foremost, the Colin Kaepernick talk is ridiculous. Tim Tebow isn't signed to be a quarterback. Nobody's signing a guy that's been out of football for five years plus to play quarterback. They're not. They're not going to do it. Tight end's a whole different position. Most likely, he's going to be an H-back, too. He's not even going to be an inline tight end. The guy's going to block and and most likely do, like, trick plays if he even makes a roster. Like, let's be real. Not only that, there were people who wanted Tim Tebow to do this route from jump to go and play tight end H-back from the get-go and thought he would be more suited in that route. Nobody thought that about Colin Kaepernick. He was a fine quarterback prospect. The guy could sling the tater. He was okay. Most didn't think Tim Tebow was a first-round quarterback prospect. Everybody thought he transitions to another position. He can succeed in the NFL. Well, he was stubborn, didn't want to do it, blah, blah, blah. Well, now here he is taking a shot at playing tight end H-back on a team that – name their starting tight end. Yeah, I don't know. You can't. You can't do it because they don't have one. They Literally, there's nobody on that roster worth a damn at tight end. So why not bring a guy who's got this incredible work ethic, who understands Urban Meyer and his offense and what he wants to do, who can run these kind of weird trick plays and be a threat, a, a poor man's Taysom Hill in the best way, the poorest of poorest man's Taysom Hill. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, and, and like you said, 90%, he doesn't even make this roster. So I... I I don't understand the hate. The hate's been on him from the get-go. Part of it was the God thing, for sure. Like, you know, like, you're going to get hate on that. But you would think also that would gain a lot of favor. So, I I don't know. I didn't understand. Now, granted, I'm a Florida boy, so I I love the kid. And I'll comment a little bit on the God thing. And and people who know me know that I'm agnostic. Uh, I I don't believe in God. I I think that there's got to be more than this after we die. I don't care if it's aliens or whatever it is. I don't want to think this is it. But I don't believe in like the whole the biblical God, the biblical stuff. I don't believe yeah. in any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and and I hate I hate the the self proclaimed Christians who are like, well, you need to believe this, and and they hate gay people and and all that <laughs> stuff. You know, the the West Baptist Church, whatever they are. Yeah. Right? I just hate those people, and, and a lot of them, you know, are so fake when they're trying to be all churchy. They're super fake because you know they get home, they beat their kids or their wives or whoever, right? Exactly. They do. They're drinking whatever they're doing. Tim Tebow, I love, and he strikes me as what you think a Christian should be. Like, he's so humble, and he doesn't take credit for anything, and all he does is work hard. Like, you'll never hear him say, oh, I, I, I've never heard the word I out of his mouth. Well, except for that great speech at Florida when he was like, you will never see anyone work harder than I'm going to work over the – I mean, he just – it's like they have it, a plaque like up in Florida yeah. of that speech, you know, and, and yeah, they went undefeated from that point on. Um I, don't know. I just don't know how you root against the guy. He just seems so genuine, so kind. He's built hospitals in other countries with his own money. You know, uh, he raises money 
in the name of God, but not to build churches. He builds hospitals. He builds schools. He, I mean, even if he was building churches, I'd probably have a little bit of a problem. I don't see a single thing he does wrong. I, I don't know. I just don't know how you don't love the guy. And when I see people just bashing the crap out of him, it, it blows my mind. Not only that, he went and made a baseball team, made it to AAA, damn near made it to the actual team, and then people want to dog him for that. Like, oh, he couldn't even make the match. Go, go sign a failing <laughs> baseball player. Bitch! You know how hard it is to hit a baseball? Like, like you know how hard it is to play two sports? Like, dude, the guy was the arguably the greatest college quarterback of all time and just decided, you know what? I'm going to go play baseball now and went and succeeded at that too. And because he wasn't a, a, a multi-time all-star, people are trying to say he failed at that. Like, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't get the hate for the kid. Granted, I don't think we should be – you know, worshiping him as a God, as like, you know, some people do and, and think Tim Tebow all, almighty. But I mean, just as like, if I, if I separate myself from being a Florida fan and I just look at it as, as what he did in college, how can you not love that? Then he goes to the NFL, probably is overdrafted, not probably way overdrafted due to, I have no idea what the Broncos were thinking. No clue. And then against all odds, comes in and succeeds there and wins a playoff game with an awful team. Just a bad team. You know, offensively, at least. Great defensive team. Terrible offensive team. Wins and succeeds. Succeeds for all extents and purposes there. And then is immediately replaced. And then still finds a way to go in. And what I assume is what I would say succeed in baseball because he made it to, you know, AAA, which is, in my opinion, the closest you can get to the big show without actually getting it's not my opinion that is the closest you can get to the big show i i mean i just don't get it like the guy's just done so many and then that's just on the field so take away everything else you you hate his missions you hate what he does with for god and god's name just the athlete how do you not love the kid like i don't understand it how do you not love this kid and i had this long long debate on facebook all sports which is a group that we're part of feel free to join and debate with all of us with james chapman and uh he had a huge problem shout out to chappy though he's the man chappy's the man for real he had a problem with it because he said you know he's taking somebody's roster spot who has been playing tight end since high school who's been trying to perfect the art of tight end who now doesn't get a chance to play because tim tebow who hasn't played in six years gets signs of contract tight end and my contention was this I, i told him i said i said james you sound like a seventh grade soccer mom who's complaining that her kid's not playing and the popular kids are, you know, but if your kid was scoring six goals a game, they'd be playing over the popular kids. So why are we concerned that some kid from Buffalo tech didn't get the fourth string tight end position on the 80 man roster? Like who cares? It's Tim Tebow. He's more marketable. What's, what's the problem with that? Uh, I think his main point was, um, that Tim Tebow, because of his personal relationship, got this job. But, uh, I mean, that's life, dog. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, that's life in a nutshell is, is you know, who you know, not what you know. And, and not only that, it's not like Tim Tebow is just some random guy doing this. He – everybody thought he had the ability to be a tight end and an H-back from the get-go. Uh, and not just that, if – Chris Manhurts and James O'Shaughnessy weren't the two tight ends ahead of him, maybe he wouldn't get signed to the roster. You feel what I'm saying? Like, like, like I couldn't tell you who Chris Manhurts or, or Luke Shaughnessy is for the life of me, bro. And, and like, all I do is football and, and it's, 
you know, that's got a lot to do with it. And, and yeah, sure, maybe there's a better tight end out there. Is there one that's going to work as hard as Tim Tebow? Is there one that already knows a lot of the verbiage of this offense like Tim Tebow? Is there one that already understands this play calls and this playbook like Tim Tebow? No, there's not. So it's like there's – I mean, I think that's that's got a lot to do with it. You know, it really does. Yes, a relationship helps. You know how many coaches get hired because of relationships? You know how many quarterbacks get hired or, or backup jobs strictly because of relationships? Like Tim Tebow's not the first guy. Like I don't understand the hate. I don't get it either. And like I had said, you know, when we had this debate, uh, you know, and, and he was talking about just like I said, taking these spots. I'm just like, you know what? It's not his fault. The tight ends didn't work as hard. And, and I brought up the fact that Tim Tebow is an exceptional worker, that he's an exceptional locker room guy. He's a natural born leader. And, you know, he, you know, Chappie had said something to the effect of, you know, well, he's going to be if he does make the team, which is highly unlikely. Highly how is he? He's like, how is he going to lead people from the third string tight end position? And I don't think that matters. And, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but I've played sports and I've worked in the workplace with people who you will follow into the fires of hell and just because of their personality. Like, you will just follow them. And it doesn't matter what they do. And he's that guy. Like, you will follow him no matter what. Who was the cat for New England? The special teams uh, kid who was a captain for that team for five fucking years. Yeah, Slater. He's still the captain. Slater, yeah, he's still – like, what are you talking – you're telling him – all he is is special teams. He does nothing but special teams. People follow him literally till the depths – like you said, they will follow him to hell because they know he's a ride-or-die football player. He's a guy that you just want to be around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just believe in him. There's, what do you mean a third-string tight end can't be your captain? Get get out of here with that mess. <laughs> um. Let's talk a little bit about some guys who are uber talented. This is a story that came up and was all over Facebook, all over ESPN and Fox Sports and all this other stupidness. Uh, DK Metcalf does the Olympic trials or whatever it is, the world championship trials, and he runs a 10-3-7 in the 100, which is fast. I mean, that's blazing fast. Stupid fast. But is it really a big story? I mean, I saw somebody post something saying, oh, DK Metcalf is scaring the crap out of defensive backs right now. I'm like, he's not any faster than he was last year. Like... Oh, uh, is it impressive? Yeah, of course. Does it matter on the football field? Absolutely not. He's the same guy he was. He's still, uh, you know, six two two thirty, just an absolute monster who can run really fast. Nobody's denying that, and he's also a great wide receiver. I'm, but I mean, sprinting fast doesn't matter in 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 my opinion. You know, if it did a lot of these track athletes would be stars in the NFL. You know, he's a good football player because he's a good football player. I brought up the fact that Anthony Schwartz, the kid who was just drafted out of Auburn to the Cleveland Browns, ran a 10-09. Like, he was the track star at Auburn. So he's even faster than DK Metcalf. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of players in the NFL who are way faster than DK Metcalf. Um, you know, like, let's let's be real here. There's a whole lot. Uh, no, that's again. That's not taking any away from DK. He's he's two forty and running ten three. You know, hundred meters. Like that's insane. But I don't think it's that impressive. I don't like. Yes, it's impressive because he's two forty and things like that. But like in the speed sense, like there's a lot of fast guys out there. There are. Well, it led me to create the meme, which if you follow us, uh, do follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at uh, Infinity Sports Podcast. The 
I created a meme that basically said I would prefer or I said, would you prefer a guy with burner speed or a guy who runs great routes? And, of course, the pictures I used for the great route runners were uh, Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy. And then for speed, I had Denzel Mims and uh, Darnell Mooney, right, because those are two of the fastest guys from the combine. All four of those guys are in the same draft, which is why I used those four in particular. I, th- I would rather have great route runners. Jerry Rice ran a 4.740. You know, he's one of the greatest route runners in the history of football. Um, I agree. You can't teach real route running. Like, like everybody thinks, oh, you can teach a guy how to run routes. You can, but like, like true route runners, guys like Jerry Judy and guys like Jerry Rice and guys like Marvin Harrison, Steve Smith, Chad Ochocinco, guys like that who could create separation. By the way, none of those guys ran a sub four five forty. You know what I mean? Like, it, all of them just create insane separation. That it's like. Man, I mean, that's just scary to do. Now, obviously, you know, if you've got a guy like, like the crazy thing is, is like you think like Moss, T.O., Calvin Johnson, not great route runners. Like none of well, them. T.O. is a guy who ran a four four five, and I mean, I thought T.O. was a great route runner. Actually, T.O. had glue for hands. He didn't drop anything. He didn't drop anything. But I mean, if you're talking like best route runners in football of all time. I don't think anybody's listing like T.O. in the top five. You know what I mean? And and so and nobody's listing Calvin or Randy in the top five. You know, now granted, those guys are all probably in the top four wide receivers of all time. You know, so that's but I mean, they were just freaks of nature. Now, I mean, guys like Antonio Brown, like, I mean, stupid, insane route runner. Like, you know, Marvin Harrison, like I mentioned, stupid, insane route runner. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, stupid, insane route runner. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, stupid, insane route runner. Guys like this who who are, you know, just crazy good at getting separation at the right times is, is just, in my opinion, I just think so much more valuable. Speed is, a, is an asset that can be, like, shut down. You can't shut down a great route runner. Well, and I think the best example of that modern football, because I know a lot of guys like to point to DK Metcalf. And, and again, he's fast and he's big. And that's great. It's a great combination to have. Yes. But, you know, look at a guy like Devontae Adams, who's six one and is an amazing route runner. And just he's always open. <laughs> I mean, you look at the best like wide receivers in the NFL right now, and, and pretty much every one of them is a great route runner. Um, it depends on how you feel about Julio, if he's still one of the best or not. But even still, Julio's a pretty damn good route runner. But like outside of like who, like Tyreek. But even Tyreek is like, I mean, granted he only runs like four routes, but like, fuck. I mean, the guy's just so fast. He's just such a good route runner that it, you know, it's he's just so fast. But I mean, like you said, Devontae, DeAndre, uh, Michael Thomas, guys like that who just run exceptional routes. I mean, everybody in the world knows Michael Thomas is going to run either a, 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 a in, a curl, or an out, and he still catches 110 balls. You know what I mean? And it's it's because he, he sells that shit well, and he runs great routes and things like that. Well, I always use the example of Julian Edelman, and I think that it helped that Julian Edelman was a quarterback in college, so he obviously knows what the quarterback's looking for, and they're seeing the same thing. And him and Tom – I used to say, if you played against the Patriots, you knew Tom was throwing to Julian Edelman. You yes. knew he was. And he would throw to Edelman, who would be wide open, catch the ball, go down after a seven-yard gain. Then the next play, they need to throw the ball again. Like, this is a passing down. we got to keep throwing. 
who are they going to throw it to? Edelman. And yet, why is he wide open again? He just <laughs> knew how to get open. Uh, I mean, I agree. I, I mean, I watch a lot of offenses, and, and you know, that's, I think, what Bill Belichick does great is he says, look, I'm not going to let your main weapon beat me. I'm going to make something else beat me at this point. Um, you know, if you're playing the Chiefs, I'm going to make – you know, uh, Sammy Watkins beat me, or I'm going to make Nicole Hardman beat me, I'm, or Clyde Edwards-Alaire beat me. I'm not going to let Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey beat me. And I think that's like, you know, what the great ones do, and, and it baffles me when others don't, you know, and they just let these guys eat. It drives me nuts. Um, I kind of want to get, since we're talking about speed and athleticism, one of the things I wanted to get into is everything I've been reading since the Patriots drafted Mac Jones is how unathletic he is, right? And then sometimes they're trying to do it as like a backhanded compliment. They're like, oh, despite his non-athleticism, he's going to do really well with the Patriots because of his – did you know that he's more athletic than Patrick Mahomes? He runs a faster 40. He has a bigger vertical. He has a better three-cone. He has a better broad jump. Everything athletic – I mean, don't get me wrong. Patrick Mahomes, way better arm, way better arm talent. But – from an athletic standpoint, why does he keep getting called unathletic when he's more athletic in terms of like like Josh Allen or he's faster than Josh Allen in his 40 time who ran a 4.75 and Max Jones ran a 4.68? I mean, why do we keep calling him non-athletic? <sighs> to be fair, Max Jones ran a 4.68 at his pro day, which would most likely be like a 4.8, um, not a 4.68. It'd most likely be like a 4.88. Um I want to look up his his three cone and things like that, because um, if his three cone was actually better than Mahomes, I'd be shocked. Um, I, let's put it this way: they call him a bad athlete because you haven't seen it. Um, you know, you right, saw he didn't it. Run for a thousand yards. Not just that; like you never like saw it. Like, um, like you never saw the athleticism pop up um and like with these other guys you see it like with Mahomes you saw it with Josh Allen you saw it um like even in college like you saw all these things so it's just like it's difficult to I guess try to pinpoint like where he would actually be and like what he would actually do in the next in, in in this year's class like with like limited tape. Like, yeah, the numbers are great, but like, yeah, he didn't have a battle shuttle or three count than, than Patrick Mahomes. By the way. So, um, he had a better 40, he had a better 40, but he did not have a better shuttle or three count. So I understand what you're saying that you didn't see it on the tape. Like he's just a pocket passer. You know, he's not forced out of the pocket and creating with his feet. He's not throwing on the run. Like those guys all did that stuff, you know? But I still feel like, you know, kind of like how Nick was saying that Tiger Woods isn't an athlete, even though he can bench press 300 pounds and he can, you know, Tiger Woods is an athlete. I think Mac Jones is an athlete, even though he doesn't use his athleticism to create. I mean, he's definitely a way better athlete than Tom Brady. I think what Brady was his gift was the pocket awareness. Like Brady understood what was going on around him better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> so you didn't need to run a four six forty. You know, he ran a five one forty, but it didn't matter because his footwork was so good. Yeah, um, he didn't have a better three cone than Josh Allen either. Um, 
I don't know. It's tough to, to figure out because you look at his numbers and you think, all right, the guy's an athlete. 32-inch vertical is a decent vertical for uh, a quarterback. Um, you would like to see a 10-foot broad jump. Nine feet, eight inches is meh. But, again, you're not mad. Uh, I think it's more, again, we just haven't seen it. Like, we haven't seen the guy take off and look athletic at Alabama or do anything like that. And was it because they weren't asked him to do that or because he couldn't do that? And, you know, those things matter. Like, we saw Patrick well, Mahomes do that in college. We saw Josh Allen do it in college. Um, I, granted, does it matter? Because if he's not asked to do it in college and he's not asked to do it in the pros and he can get by with it, who gives a hoot? Like, I don't care how athletic he is. If he moves well in the pocket, he understands where he needs to be in the pocket, and he delivers from a strong base. So, uh, I mean, does it matter how athletic he is? I don't think it does. Let the people say he's not athletic. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I guess. I, I think that you, you asked, you know, is it because he wasn't asked to do it or because he couldn't do it? I think it's more because he wasn't asked to because his one year as a starter, he had four guys on his offensive line that got drafted in the NFL. So he yeah. didn't really have to run around a lot. I mean, that makes uh, – and then the guy next year, uh, Neil – God, what's his name? First name, I can't remember. Something Neil will most likely be a top-five pick from Alabama too at, at tackle. So, um, I, I mean – that line stacked. And then again, he's got, you know, three first round wide receivers too. So, I mean, uh, he had it, he had it made, but you know, it was just the thing. You never saw it. You know, maybe we will see it. I don't think he can't do it. Now, granted, do I think he's going to be Josh Allen? No. Do I think he's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yes. Better Ryan, Ryan Tannehill athletic, but Ryan Fitzpatrick sneaky athletic and will get you those yards and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tannehill's a good. Con- I mean, he was a wide receiver in college, so you kind of yeah. But Tannehill looked- can boogie. Um, but yeah, like like something like that. I think that's more his like comp than it is um, Mahomes or Mahomes or even Josh Allen or something like that. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you, because we're talking a little bit about the draft. I know that's your forte, and it's really early. Everybody's got their two early mock drafts out. We didn't do that yet. Um, I've done one. Okay. Well, there we go. I mean, I can uh, drop one if you want me to. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll play with that. But I know yeah. that after one of our shows, I had mentioned to you, I was like, hey, did you see the tape on this kid, Malik Willis from Liberty? I'm like, I've never – like his arm is like Michael Vick, like back in the Virginia Tech. is like absolute rifle. Um, and you're like, oh, I'll check it out. Um, I'm curious after watching the tape, I mean, I was looking through his stats and he, I know he plays at Liberty, but when you look at his stats compared to like Trey Lance at North Dakota state, they're pretty comparable and he's got one more year to obviously to show what he can do. And he's going to still be at the small college, but I mean, my God, I mean, what an arm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, now the, the difference is Trey Lance is built like an NFL body. He's built like a linebacker, whereas Malik Willis is built like Mike Vick. You know what I mean? So that that's a that's a big difference. But I think Malik Willis is far better passer. You know what I mean? And especially now with another year and, and playing in an offense where he'll actually throw the ball and not run it thirty times a game and things like that. Um, I would when I made my mock, he was not in my top ten. Uh, he wasn't even in my top fifteen. But he's the player that it would not shock me if he shot up boards and and landed in the top five and was something now granted I didn't have Trey Lance in my top 15 this year either before the season started I mean I'm 
pretty famously saying, I don't think I had him even ranked in my top 32 once the season ended um, after his one game. You know what I mean? Honestly, when the draft happened, I didn't have him ranked in the top 20 players. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Now, granted, quarterbacks get pushed up the board and things like that. But, I mean, I think Malik Willis has a chance to be a much better quarterback. Now, the raw tools – you know, Trey Lance is an insane runner and, and just an incredible arm as well and things like that and is very raw. But Malik Willis has all those same qualities, just not 6'4", 230. Um, but I, I, and, man, he can sling that tater, bro. God. Um, it, you know what it me of, too? Because I know I said Michael Vick, and Michael Vick's obviously one of my favorite quarterbacks, but uh, even like a Josh Allen at Wyoming, just like a did. huge arm. I mean, just massive. If he can learn to – now it's it's the same thing that Trey Lance had to learn. It's either a a missile perfect throw or it's an incomplete pass. You know what I mean? Um, uh, Trey Lance had I think it was a thirty seven percent like uncatchable rate, which was the most in any quarterback in the class this year. I assume a week Malik Willis is going to be high like that as well because you're you're more or less drafting at this point a guy that you're you're going to project and and hope you can build and and just tweak a couple things to make him an, an exceptional passer. But I mean, he's got all the talent. Now Grant, this is an absolute, like we talked about this year's classes loaded at quarterback. Well, this next one's at Spencer Rattler, Kelvin Slovis, Sam Hubbard, uh, Malik Willis, like JT Daniels from Georgia. Like this one is stacked at quarterback. If these guys play well and, and just essentially do what they're supposed to do, you're most likely going to see the, the record broken this year for the quarterback position, which would be insane because we haven't seen a run like this in so long. Right. And this is a guy I'm definitely really excited to watch this year. I hope he gets at least one or two games against somebody in the top 25. I don't know who they're going to, what their schedule is. I haven't uh, looked at Liberty's schedule. You would, you would hope. Essentially, you just don't want to see a game especially against bad competition to where he just looks bad. If you're, if you're at Liberty and you're a top five or ten pick, you should dominate every single game, which is what Trey Lance did at North Dakota State. He he was the best player on the football field. Every time you turned on the, the, the game tape, Trey Lance looked like the best player. Even if he wasn't throwing the ball, he looked like the best player. Malik Willis has to do that same thing at Liberty. He has to. You have to turn on the tape and be like, that is the best football player on the football field right now. You had mentioned that uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, was obviously the number one high school player in the country. Goes to Clemson as the number one freshman in the country, wins a national championship as a freshman. Like, there's nobody who's faced like that kind of just the expectations and met them all. And here we are going into his junior year of high school with Arch Manning, who has been projected since sixth grade or whatever it is to be the the greatest quarterback ever. And I know that he's not the the spawn of one of the two Manning brothers. It's the third brother, Cooper. It's his Cooper. kid. Yeah, uh, but it's still Manning blood, right? And last year was his sophomore year. He's 6'4", 200. He's like 14 years old. Um, he, As a freshman, he actually completed 65% of his passes, 34 touchdowns to six picks. His team went 9-1. and one. Um, I mean, I understand the hype, but could he be potentially by the time he's drafted in whatever year, 2027 or whatever it is, could he be the most hyped prospect ever? Yeah, I guess he could. By the way, Trevor Lawrence has never lost a regular season football game. Just he will now. You, yes, he will now. <laughs> he will win, lose a lot of regular season football <laughs> games. Um, I don't do a ton of 
of high school scouting. Um, I, I just don't do it. Uh, what a player is in high school. I, I don't follow that. It's never translated to me. Um, now granted Trevor Lawrence is a different beast. Um, you know, I, I followed his elite 11 and his, um, state championship runs and things like that. Um, and I'm assuming I'll follow Arch Griffins too, his senior year. Um, but it's a lot hinders on where he goes, who he's playing with, things like that. This kid has all the ability and all the the trajectory to to be the next Trevor Lawrence, to be the next Andrew Luck, to be the next John Elway, to be the next quarterback that's like, man, he's the first pick right now as a junior in high school. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he has every ability you would think to, to get there. Now, granted, he's got a lot of help around him. You know what I mean? You've got two Hall of Fame uncles that I'm sure are chirping in his ear all the time about film study and, and how to prepare and, and what to look for and cues from defensive backs and defenses and, and all of that. And and good for him. And plus their resources. So it's like, hey, do you want to throw some passes to Marvin Harrison? You want to throw some uh, I don't know if he's getting that exclusive, but um, – you know, I'm sure it's more. Hey, you want to throw some passes to Zach Pascal? You know, I'll I'll call the Colts and and we can show up at the facility and practice with the team. Although I'm assuming that would be like tampering and things like that. He would probably get in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, with how the NCAA is right now. But in any case, you know, he's got all the physical tools. He's six four, two hundred plus, great arm. Kids got accuracy for days. You know, it's a matter of putting it all together. That that mental gap is massive. Like to be able to to know you're the best and live with being the best and handle being the best and still succeed. And then maybe not, you know, and then when you don't succeed, coming back and then, you know, getting back on the horse essentially, like we saw Trevor Lawrence do and things like that. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's what you got to see. And not everybody has that. So, but I expect it at Arch. I really do. It, there's no reason not to at this point. You would expect with that family that there's not a whole lot you have to worry about. I mean, if you think about it, Eli was kind of like the wild one. <laughs> so, you, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of stuff, trouble I can picture I'm getting into, but I mean, like you said, anything can happen. He's only 15 years old. So yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it, the knowledge that is being passed down to him from Peyton and Eli about like the film study and just how to prepare as an NFL player is something that's immeasurable. You know what I mean? Like you can't put, you can't quantify that on a stat sheet and what, and what that translates to. And so he's going to be ahead of the curve in most of what he does, which is why he's a starting freshman quarterback and things like that. You know, so I, I expect really good things out of the kid, but again, it's, it's so, it's so early to tell. And the last topic I really had for the show was the 2021 NFL schedule came out. A lot of the matchups we knew were going to happen because of how the conferences play against each other every four years or six years, whatever it is. Um, but I, I did want to get your take on some of the matchups that you're looking forward to. Uh, obviously, for me, it's Tampa and New England, right? I mean, of course. It's got to be the good one. Uh, I mean, I expect we win that by 12 or 13. Hmm. All right, well. Yeah. 
We'll see how it goes. If Mac Jones is taking over by that point, or if it's still. I hope Mac Jones is taking over (laughs) by that point. (laughs) Shoot. Do you imagine our defense harassing Mac Jones? Jesus. I couldn't even. I'm just excited to see Bill Belichick scheme against Brady for the first time. It would be. It's going to be very interesting because, I mean, obviously he knows what Brady does well, but, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody expected. Bruce Arians to kind of essentially run the offense he ran with Brady and things like that. So, like, he did a lot of, like, like you know, we were the number two team in um, attempts past 20 yards, you know, like attacking downfield. And that's never been Brady's M.O., you know what I mean? So, um, you know, who knows? I, I, I mean, obviously, it's going to be great to see. I haven't looked at any of the matchups, so I'm not going to lie. Um, but, I mean, New England-Tampa sounds incredible. Where's well, it at? Can't- um, I think it's New England. Tampa goes uh, to New England. Um, but I know that Tampa opens the season against the Cowboys. Yeah, I know that. I saw that. Um, I mean, we'll win that game by 20. I don't know if Dak's healthy. Bro, that defense is so bad. Yeah. So bad. Um, They're really good at linebacker. Well, you're saying win by 20, so you're saying shut down Dak. Not we, I, I mean, we can win 45 to 20. 45-21. I just don't think they shut him down. I mean, again, the games that they were losing when he was playing were like forty-five to thirty-eight, and like, I mean, I mean, our defense is really good. Well, he's got a really good offense too. Yeah, but his offensive line is boo-boo, and I mean, our defensive backs are now in year three. So, yeah. um, week one, also, and we have the best yeah. front seven in the NFL. So. <laughs> Uh, Jets and the Panthers. We get to see Sam Darnold go against the Jets and Zach Wilson. I saw some shit today about Teddy Bridgewater coming out and bashing the Panthers. Oh, doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah, and like how they like practice poorly and shit like that. Which actually, it does surprise me because Teddy's always been kind of like a, a, almost like a patriot, like where he doesn't say anything. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I assume he doesn't like the fact that he, you know, he was essentially. They're paying more money to Teddy Bridgewater than the Broncos are. Right. So, and that's to not play for them. It's like, we'll pay you $7 million to not be on our team. Right. Ooh, that's not a good look, bro. It's not a well, good look. You can't, com- you can't not take that personally. <laughs> it's the conversation that uh, Billy Bean has with David Justice in Moneyball, right? Yep. And he says, uh, he's like, no, I'm not paying you $6 million. The Yankees are paying half your salary. Yeah, That's exactly. what they think of you. They're yeah. paying you $3 million a year to play against them. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the truth. I mean, a lot of these these deals are, are actually like that, that, you know, these big team, these big names get traded. The, the, the one team's like, yeah, we'll take the $10 million cap hit and we'll just pay the other fucking 10. Just get them off our team. Jared Goff got two first-round picks. Uh or the, the Lions got two first-round picks to literally take Jared Goff's contract. That had nothing to do with Matt Stafford. It was to take Jared Goff's contract off the Rams' books. That's why they got two first-rounders. Um, the other matchup that I really like is the the London game, which I usually hate the London game, but the London game it's is going to be now, so Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. It's going to be the Jets yeah. and the uh, Oh, that's what's up. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. I mean, we assume... Zach Wilson starting by then, right? I think he starts day one. James Morgan, though, bro. Yeah, yeah, James Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gardner Minshew signs with the Packers. Did he really? Yes, one year deal with the Packers. I thought he said Bortles signed with them. A uh, Bortles, that's right. 
Yeah, Minshew's still under contract. Minshew's still under contract with the Jaguars. He's their backup. Yeah, Bortles. Green Bay Packers signed free agent Blake Bortles. I'll tell you what, though. That may mean something. Uh, I don't know. Is he really your starter? No, hell no. Jordan loves your starter. But at least now you've got a capable backup, and you can still go – Three and fourteen, because there's seventeen stupid games now. Uh, you can still go three and fourteen and get a top five pick and get one of these quarterbacks, or Jordan Love works out and you don't got to draft a quarterback. So you're in like a, a good little spot there. I don't see any way Aaron Rodgers plays for that team. Yeah, and if I'm Green Bay, I mean, what are you really asking at this point? You saw the obviously the the two first round picks, like you said, for uh, Jared Goff or, or with Jared Goff. So I'm thinking if he goes to San Francisco, Denver, I think are two of the top teams, I would have to think three first-rounders at least. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, so a lot of the talk was the, the Broncos took Patrick Sertan because that's, for one, that's the Packers' probably biggest need is a corner. Now, granted, the Packers went and reached for a corner, so what do we know? But Patrick Sertan, first, second, first, second. Um, or first, second, first, third, something like that. Um, would be the the deal. So it would be three firsts, like two seconds for Aaron. Um, three firsts and a second, something like that. Th- that's where I think they would have to be at. And truthfully, I don't see any way you give that up. But if Aaron, Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, they're the Super Bowl favorite. I think so. I think so, 100%. Their defense is good. Like, good, good. Yeah. And I mean, you put Aaron Rodgers on that team with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Noah Font. Woo! That's a, I mean, that team can beat a lot of football teams. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see them being up there. I, again, I still like the Rams with Matthew Stafford and that team. Um, I still, obviously, the Bucks are the defending champions. Uh, and obviously, Kansas City. Kansas City I've, is always going to be in the conversation. I'm, it may sound like a homer. I think New England's going to be in that conversation. <laughs> I do. They're gonna have a. They're gonna have a top five defense <laughs> and finish third in the division. Yeah, I think they may win the AFC East. Yeah, they may. Yeah, but they won't. Yeah, they're gonna finish we'll third we'll in see. the AFC. They may we'll, finish last if Zach Wilson blows up. They may finish last in that division. Because I'll tell you I what, think, if they start Mac Jones, I think they lose more than ten games. I don't. Their defense is too good. It's not though. I don't it think is. it's that good. They don't, they don't have any holes. Where are the holes in the defense? Uh, safety, corner. Safety. Patrick Chung hasn't played in a year. That matters. Patrick, Chung, Patrick Chung's retired anyways. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they've got Jalen Mills and they've got uh, Devin McCourty. Devin McCourty's 107. Jalen he Mills. Plays, he had like seven interceptions last year. Jalen Mills is a, is a brand new signee, isn't he? Yeah, but he was a starter in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, yeah. At slot corner, not really at safety. Um, well, then you got Duggar. Duggar kind of played that Patrick yeah, Chung role last year. Yeah, that Patrick Chung role. I mean, I don't know. I don't love the defense. I don't JC hate it. Jackson and Gilmore coming back. What's this talk about J.C. Jackson getting traded? That would be wild. Uh, well, he's a restricted free agent. Free agent. I think- so I saw something that – the what I saw before the draft was J.C. Jackson in a first to Carolina – to move up. And I was like, God, why wouldn't they just give up Gilmore over JC Jackson? But it was the whole restricted free agent thing. 
Yeah, and I think they gave him a, a second-year tender, too, instead of a first-year tender. Yeah. Or a first-round tender, I mean. Because I think they said that, you know, first-round tender is kind of like saying, listen, we're not planning on trading you to anybody. They're yeah, you're not going tender. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but by putting the second-round tender on him, it's kind of like, well, we're open to trading you. Yeah, the first-round tender, because I'm pretty sure it's two first-rounders. It's not one. Um, so... But, but that is uh, the show that we got for you today, kind of a laid-back show, just a couple of topics to kind of breeze through, talking about The Office. I know Nick loves us talking about pop culture. Yeah, uh, buddy. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you have any uh, parting thoughts uh, before we kick it to our boy Gregory Rousseau. Uh, no, I'm good, man. It was, it was a pleasure. Tater tots. <laughs> hey, Greg, uh, why don't you give us a nice little shout-out? Greg! Yo, what's up? Greg Russo here telling you to check out Infinity Sports. Wayne G keeps it real, and Sully breaks the under draft prospects better than anybody else in the game. Download and listen or watch on YouTube. Infinity Sports, the number one podcast in the country. Let's go.